Baseball 365 Podcast. And here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Hey, everybody. I hope you're doing well. Glad to have you all here as we're going to do our second episode on outfielders. We're hoping to get about 21 through 40 done today. And here with me tonight, once again, is Andrew. Andrew, how are you doing? Doing good. Back-to-back nights. We got to get all these out here. There's so many outfielders, man. It's it's crazy, but we'll get these next 20 done at least and probably do the rest in the next show. So, Yeah, and you look at it in the 21 through 40 here, it looks like a real good list of outfielders. Even here as we're talking about two and three outfielder, outfielder number two and three, that's a nice list. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a good list. Definitely some guys that like in here. So, All right. Before we get started, I want to give you guys an opportunity that we are giving to our listeners, which is anybody who gets on and writes a review between now and opening day, we're going to put into a drawing and we're going to take somebody, we're going to draw a name and send you a Baseball 365 t-shirt. We do actually have those available to purchase on the Baseball 365 Facebook page, but we're also going to give somebody a free one. All you have to do is write a review for us, and we'll get your name entered in there. And there, shortly before the season, we'll send a shirt out to somebody. All right. You ready to get started on outfielders, Andrew? I'm ready. Let's do it. Number 21, we have Marcel Ozuna, the outfielder for the Cardinals. He's going at pick 76, the top of the sixth round. Seemed like he had a shoulder injury bothering him. That really set back his numbers after hitting 37 home runs and having 124 RBI in Miami in 2017. He had it fell all the way down to 23 home runs, two or and 88 RBI in a what I think most people are considering a disappointing 2018. Now he had shoulder surgery in the October. They saying he's ready to go for the start of the year here. I think this is probably a good opportunity to see an increase back up in the home run department. I know a year ago I wasn't projecting 37, but I was thinking 30 to 32 was my projection. I think I would probably still project him right back to around that. But Andrew, let me ask you, he's projected on Steamer to have 27 home runs in 2019. Would you say over or under on that number? I think I would take the over barely. I I think I would say like 28 to 30 is probably where I would put it. I'm not the biggest Ozuna guy. I mean, the thing was last year I was way off of him because he was going so high and it was clear that he wasn't going to repeat 2017. Now he's had the season where he fell back and he's going in a more respectable spot this year as a result. I don't mind this price. I think that you know, he's got nice power and uh, generally hits for a good average. So I think he's fine here. It's, it's nothing that crazy excites me, but yeah, he's he's all right. He could even push a little over 30 home runs probably. I mean, I, I wouldn't quite project that, but I, I think his power is good enough to do it. I just... I just didn't like that price last year when he coming off of that season because I just would have bet everything that it wasn't going to repeat. And God, did it not. It was way, I mean, a huge drop-off. So now we're kind of back to a normal line of thinking with him, I feel like. You know, I actually was. I did buy him once last year, but even that, on top of all that, I wasn't expecting 37 home runs. I still was looking at 30. 
and I still thought that was an okay price in the fourth round, but now he's going in the sixth. So, yeah, that's a better price. Number 22, we have Yasiel Puig of now the Cincinnati Reds going at seven, pick 77. So just a pick after Ozuna in terms of ADP. In L.A. last year, he had 23 home runs and 15 steals in only 125 games last year. He's leaving a great team and a great lineup. And he's going to what should be a worse team, but a much better ballpark. Does this change from L.A. to Cincinnati raise his value, lower it, or stay the same? Yeah, that's a good question. I I don't even really know. There's parts of me that likes him more because of the park. It's just, it's a nice park. Yeah, there's I, there's part of me that doesn't like it too. I, I I question with Puig. He's like one of those. Obviously, he's he's a really emotional player. You know, he wears his heart on his sleeve, and he's always played for the Dodgers. Obviously, who have always been good. Like since he's been in the majors, and I kind of just question with him how he is going to be in August when the Reds are like 15 games under 500. I mean, it it may sound funny, and I know some people probably haven't thought of that, but I just don't really know if this is a guy that I could count on at the end of the year when the Reds are bad. I just, I don't know if his effort level will be there. I, I don't really know. He's always played in meaningful games and, you know, been on a good team, like I said, and how is being on a bad team going to affect him? I mean, do you have any opinion on that? Oh, that's a really good point. I heard you ask that earlier this offseason, and it makes sense in terms of, you know, even in L.A. in a winning organization, there have been times where there's been drama with that guy. And now he's going to be on a bad team, a guy who wears his emotions on his sleeve. Yeah, I agree. You know, if he repeated last year and had 23 home runs and 15 steals he's definitely worth this pick and if you knew his head was going to stay on straight and he was going to stay healthy yeah he could definitely do that if not do better now in that ballpark but that's the intangible with that guy that I think you're onto something with that with him and I definitely would not feel comfortable taking him in the sixth round just because of that and I know that sounds crazy because you're not supposed to draft off of intangibles like that. But I th- I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense. Well, I, it's just one of those things that no projection system is going to measure. I no. mean, clear, clearly, it's it's not something that uh, that's going to be, you know, show up that way, I guess. It, and the, the positives for him, I will say, is there's power and speed here. Like he's projected for the same number of home runs and stolen bases exactly as Christian Yelich. There's definite positives in those categories. And I think that his supporters are, you know, buying into that. And I don't really have a problem with it. It's just, I wouldn't say I hate it here. It's just something that's crossed my mind. Like the end of the year, I like second half, I could see him having a really big first half. And being somebody that you maybe want to sell like midseason, I don't know. I just I wonder how the it's going to wear on him when you know we assume this team is going to be bad. I mean, I know there's people who think the Reds may be a little bit better, and they might be, but it's a tough division, you know, to move up too far. I mean, 
they're for sure behind Milwaukee, the Cubs, and the Cardinals. So it's it's just I don't know. I just wonder how that's going to affect him. And I guess we'll find out later, probably like later in the year. And if he's still crushing it, then that was no big deal, I guess. But I just wonder about it. Is all. It seems like such a weird time for that team to have chosen to start buying, given the state of the Cardinals, the Brewers, and the Cubs. It's just weird. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't trade for any like older pitching, really. I mean, you were hearing some of that stuff about like Senzel and Trammell, maybe for Kluber mm-hmm. and you know stuff like that. And I just feel like that would have been a been bad to do. They're not that close to winning, you know. It's like you don't want to just start giving up your big pieces of the minors. It's just it would have been a mess. I feel like. Number 23, we have Eddie Rosario with the Twins at pick number 86. So we're talking the latter half of the sixth round. This guy doesn't excite me much personally for a sixth-round pick. I see him as a solid but unspectacular production. Last year, 138 games, 24 home runs, 8 steals. I don't know. That's that's solid, but that just feels like statistics that I think I could find later in terms of home runs plus steals. Do you agree with me or do you, I know you've liked him in the past, but I don't know to the extent. That might have been when he was cheap. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I liked him a little more at the cheaper price. The one thing I'll say, I'll give a shout-out to our good friend Walter McMichael for throwing up the uh, – I don't know if you saw it. He put the Eddie Rosario and Chris Bryant steamer projections next to each other, and they're real close, real close. So just another reason, you know, to when I was saying I it's it's hard for me to buy into Bryant, but yeah, I mean here it's I feel like the this guy and the next two are really similar. You know, similar ages and obviously they're all outfielders, they're all in the AL. It's it's Castellanos and Hanniger, I'll just say it now, but we'll get to them. But, yeah, they seem really similar. I, I do like Rosario the most of the three. Has a little bit of steals potential. None of these three guys really are crazy exciting to me, including Rosario. But it's an okay price. They, they are types where they're probably not going to kill you at this price. It's just I don't feel like there's a lot of upside either. Yeah, I agree. None of these three are on any of my teams. And... If I was to continue doing mocks and drafts, if they're go if they're all going here in the sixth, top of the seventh round, no, none of them would stay be on my teams. They'd have to fall significantly further. Their guys past them. One, two, three, four. The next four or five outfielders after them, maybe even six. I think I like all those better than these guys because at least I see some upside in them. These guys are steady, but nothing exciting here. And Nick Castellanos. He just mentioned him. He's 24th amongst outfielders at 89, so just a couple picks afterwards. And Mitch Haniger at 91, top of the seventh. Castellanos has always had one of the hardest exit velocities in the last few years amongst hitters. That said, he hasn't come close to 30 home runs. Another guy who I think is okay but not targeting. And Mitch Haniger had a real good year last year, but his team was gutted. And last year he had 183 runs in RBI, and I just don't see it being remotely possible that he gets close to that this year with the whole team being gutted. So I'll just kind of we'll keep those lumped together since you brought them up. 
uh, do you have any other thoughts on these guys or just move on? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, they're just, they're just not exciting at all. I, I don't really get why people think Nick Castellanos is so good. I feel like he gets, he's actually overrated. Like it, it kind of seems like one of those guys that would be underrated a little bit, but I feel like there's people out there that think he's good. And it's, I just don't think he's that good. His career on base percentage is, oh, I just had it pulled up. I think it's three. 323. 323. 323, yeah. There's no, he's never had a 30-home run season. He's never even stolen five bases in a season. He's on a bad team. I mean, his average is okay, and he's going to play and hit in the middle of the lineup. But, yeah, it's just not for me, man. He's just, there's nothing about the guy that's exciting at all. I don't, I don't really get why people like him. And he's 27, yeah. so... He's just blah. Same with Hanniger. Yeah, and Hanniger, the the team around him now is going to be so bad, I feel like, that that isn't going to do him any favors. And His OBP is a little better than Castellanos, but, yeah, these guys just bore me to death, to be honest. I, I wouldn't really draft him either. Nope. Now, the next guy I would draft I kind of like him with where his price is, and that's Justin Upton. We're talking the middle of the seventh round. Strikes out a bit much. He's been up over 28% the last couple years, three years, actually. But he gets discounted for that, I guess. And this guy's had 30-plus home runs and anywhere between 8 and 14 steals in those stretches. On a good, you know, decent Angels lineup that's got Trout around him and Otani should be back and... You know, not a great lineup, but still not bad to where I like him at this price. I would take him above the three we just mentioned, and I'm definitely more in on him at this price. Yeah, I, I like him more than uh, at least Castellanos and Hanniger, maybe Rosario too, but he's just a consistent player, you know, like a long track record of being good to very good. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's around pick 100. Gosh, he's played he's played like 145 plus games for about eight straight seasons. Yeah, eight straight seasons. He's always hitting for power. He's always hitting in the middle of whatever lineup that he's you know whatever team he's on. He he's consistent. It's rock solid production. Yeah, his strikeout rate is a little bit on the high side, but. I think you'll be all right investing in Justin Upton at this price. Yeah, it's a good price. And number 27 is another guy I know you and I both like. You talked me, uh, you talked him up to me this offseason and sold me on him. Malik Smith, who's going at pick 100, so we're talking the second half of the seventh round, finally landed every day at bats in 2018. He offers stuff that you don't find in speed guys, kind of like we were talking about Garrett Hampson. He's got speed plus OBP, pretty good walk rates. Last year, for example, in 141 games, he had an 8.6% walk rate, which is really good for a speed guy. He's been, he was moved to Seattle this offseason, which is a worse lineup like we were talking about with Hanniger. But the word is he's going to be the one hitting leadoff with D. Gordon hitting ninth. And that's pretty exciting in terms of getting the at-bats for a guy who is really good at getting on base. Yeah, um, if you need steals, 
and you're at this part of the draft, this is your guy. The one thing I will say is this shows his ADP at 100, and he goes before pick 100 in every draft I do. I've not seen him last that long once. So if you want him, I would definitely bump him up. I've seen him routinely going in the 80 to 90 range. Maybe it's just the drafts I've done. I don't know. But I, I, think, there's, I think that there's somebody in every league that's going to get a little aggressive on him because people know, uh, know how hard it is to find steals. And he has league-leading steals upside. I mean, there's, there's not a lot of guys that have it. He does. It won't be much in power. Lineup, you know, that lineup's not going to be very good. And obviously in RBIs, he's going to hurt you, but he can hit a little bit, get on base a little bit. You know, he's fine. He'll be all right at the top of that lineup, assuming he sticks there. And he'll definitely give you the elite steals. So, yeah. 28th, Joey Gallo at 102. We've already discussed him. And 29 is rookie Victor Robles at 104. So we're talking right at the 7 8 wheel. It was an odd year because if Robles last year was hurt at the start of the season, and had he not been hurt, he probably, he would have been the one that was up in May instead of Juan Soto. We may still Juan Soto may still be sitting in Double A right now if it wasn't for that injury, which <laughs> it's crazy to think about. But Robles here in the seventh round for starters, he's moving up, especially now that Harper's signed with Philly. His ADP's moving up more because. There was that fear that what if Harper re-signed? There's an outside chance that he started the year back in AAA, and that's out the window now. I, I have heard people worry about his contact in terms of he's got a high-medium contact percentage, and they've made that comp to where that's been one of the problems with Buxton in terms of a lot of medium contact. But that said, he hasn't had a K rate below 15% since he was in high A, Two years ago. I'm not sure he steals Buxton as much as Buxton, though. Do you have a Robles share? I can't remember, Andrew. And if not, where are you taking him? Uh, yeah, I have one offhand off the top of my head, I think. I got him in uh, NFBC Draft Champions Draft and Hold that I did in January. It was the first redraft that I did this year. And I got him at pick 112. This is showing pick 104, and I will say this. You have no chance of getting him if you wait till those those spots now. There is no chance it'll last that long. It just won't happen. Now that Harper's gone for sure, and that's completely been erased, his ADP is, is skyrocketing, it, and it's not going down anytime soon. It, there's no way. This says 104, but it's not even accurate because it's, it's about to fly up and I think it's already kind of starting to. So, but yeah, yeah, it's, he's exciting. I, my issue, my biggest issue with him is I just don't know where he's going to hit in the, in the lineup. And I feel like he could spend a good portion of 2019 hitting near the bottom, but if he gets to the top, he could be a league winner. I mean, it's pretty clear that that's, possible and and he could get up there you know it's just there's some obp monsters at the top so it's kind of going to be tough to crack but he definitely has the talent to get up there yeah i don't think i feel too comfortable with him up here because there are the lineup issues he's got 
really good speed, but he only hit five home runs in the 70 games last year that he played. And yeah, he could be a 1030, 1040 guy if everything broke right. I just feel like there's too much that would have to break right and the lineup stuff. I don't know if I feel quite comfortable even taking him. Maybe I'd maybe in the seventh round, but I don't know. I, I think there are other guys around here that I just like better. Victor Robles is the argument for drafting early. You know, like some people say, oh, I hate drafting early or I, you know, some like to draft early, but, and there's argue, you know, there's, there's guys that get hurt. And then it's like, why did I draft my team early on when I could have waited and known about the injury? And I do get that side of it too. And sometimes I'm that way, but you're just not getting Robles now where you were getting him a month, two months ago. It just isn't happening. So you, if you want him, you're going to have to get aggressive on him. There's, there's just no way around, around it. I'm definitely more in the camp of drafting late. And as I, I say that, because in one of my redraft, I'm in two redrafts and in one redraft Kershaw's on my team and the other one Severino's on my team. And now news is coming out that both of them are injured. And yeah, I get, I get both brutal. sides though. It's just, yeah, it sucks. No, I, I totally understand. It's, it sucks. So let's talk dynasty. It seems like when I've been looking at dynasty rankings and I've seen dynasty drafts that have startup drafts that have gone on, Robles seems to be going somewhere in the third round. I've seen him go in the early third and the late third round of a 15 team league. Is that about where you would have him in a dynasty draft? Yeah. Let's say a no. dynasty startup. No, I would have him higher than that. I, he went, um, uh... I want to say he went 16 in Rotomasters 3, I think. Wow. I would probably take him, I don't even know, but I didn't think it was bad when he did it. It, it was maybe a little high, but yeah, like 20 to 25, 20 to 30, somewhere in there. I don't know why, but I'm just not quite sold on him yet, being a star in the bigs. And yet, yeah, I know it being a 21 year old, you don't have to be a star because you're going to have that guy for a long time. I just, I feel a little jittery about it. Not, I'm not saying he's Buxton. Buxton had high K rates and was getting rushed through all that. And Robles has not been that, but I got to see the home runs and steals for a year in the bigs. And this is a guy who kind of like we've talked about in dynasty. If you, if you got to see it, you're, you're, it's already too late. And that's a, I think I'm okay feeling that way with him. Would you rather have him or Eloy in Dynasty? Eloy. Eloy. Eloy and I, without hesitation. Now, I will say Robles has a higher upside. You could squint your eyes and you could see a 2040 guy out of him. And if he turns into something like that eventually, that's a top five player, maybe number one overall. But I don't know. I just. I'm not 100% sold he's there. Meanwhile, Eloy, power sticks longer, and he's got a really good hit tool. He doesn't walk a ton, but his strikeout rates are low. But that guy has 40-plus home run upside. And in Dynasty, I, I tend to lean more towards guys like that as the young core, the big power bats, because that seems to stick longer than the speed guys. Unless I'm just completely sold on the hit tool of the power speed guy. I mean, it's not always one way or the other. 
I just feel a little more comfortable with Eloy as a hitter too. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. The only thing, the only thing is though, is Robles' speed. I mean, it's mm-hmm. he's twenty one. It's it's not going away anytime soon. You know. Yep. I could I see if he was. I could see if he was like twenty seven, but I think I would take Eloy too. I was just curious what you would say. I, I do think Robles' upside is really high, and uh, yeah. I'd be fairly aggressive on him, but. He's not. He's not my favorite prospect either. So, I get. I get both sides of it. Yep, I do too. He's definitely got a lot of value. I mean, there's yes, there's people that would give up current stars for him, you know. And a lot of the times, when you hear me say things like, "I don't want to speak for you," but just just me, I when I say this stuff about where I would have him ranked, you know, twenty to thirty range. Well, I think that's where a lot of people value. I think that's like the type of player that you could get for him in a trade. So a lot of it is, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily exactly where I think the guy is going to land because I do think that Robles could be a superstar, but I also see the chance that, you know, maybe the hit tool doesn't quite get there and he's not. But what I do know is right now people are paying up for him. If, if he going in a trade right now, you're getting a stud back. Yes. There's no, there's no doubt. So you know, a lot of that goes into those rankings, too. It's it's not just what the guy is ultimately going to become. All right, we'll move on to number 30, Michael Conforto with the Mets. And I want to start this off not really going the fantasy route, but just the baseball route. And it is so good to see that he him rebound from that terrible injury in 2017. He had a really good season going in 109 games. He had 27 home runs. It really looked like he was breaking out in 2017. And then he took one bad swing and his shoulder basically just exploded. He went down in a heap and was out for the rest of the year. And people didn't know at that time if he was ever going to be back. And in best case scenario, he came back last year and played 153 games, hit 28 home runs and had himself a really nice year. So that's fantastic. I'm real happy. Because he seems like he's a good dude, and it's just it's good for baseball for guys like that to be around. Yeah, it was a it was a brutal injury. God, that that injury was like one of the worst to watch. It was just oh, it makes you cringe. Just makes me uh, cringe just thinking about it. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's good to see that he's back. You know, I think he's I think he's a good hitter. I feel like when I see him go in drafts, I. I do feel like he goes a little higher than I would I would take him though. Like he's project he's a 251 career hitter through 1600 plate appearances. And and when you think of him, I feel like you think of a better hitter than that. Like 251 and he's projected to hit 244 this year. It's just I don't know. It's and I don't think his power is like a lead or anything like that. There's really no speed, so you know, Mets lineup, eh. I mean, He's fine. I, I don't think he's going to like be bad or anything. And, and like I said, I'm, I'm a fan of the player. I just, whenever I see him go typically this year, like the aggressors on him, I'm always like, uh, I just wouldn't do that. I feel like I say that every time I see him drafted. Yeah, I'm with you on that. That was actually what I put in my show notes in terms of he didn't turn into the hitter. I thought he was going to be when he came up. The scouting report that we were hearing on him coming up was, this is a guy who's going to be hitting 280 plus, maybe not elite power, kind of like what 
what we hear about Alex Vertigo. It was kind of similar comps in terms of what I was hearing about him. And instead, his home runs, he's hitting a few more home runs, not at super elite levels, but solid. But the batting average seems to be lower than expected, too. That said, in 2017, he had 27 home runs in 109 games. So had that shoulder injury not happened, you, I, it was pretty safe to say he would have hit 30 to 35 bombs. And maybe now that he's a year back and healthy, maybe he can get up there again. But this is one where I'm going to have to see it before I feel comfortable investing at this price right here in the eighth round. Yeah, I, I'm with you, like for the reasons I stated pretty much. I mean, yep. he's fine, but if – I don't know. I just think I, – I feel like he's for somebody else. That said, I do – I do feel like one of these years that he's a good enough hitter that if he hit like 290 with 30 home runs, it, it wouldn't surprise me. You know, it, it, it wouldn't shock me. So I get that side of it, too. Number 31 and 32, we've already discussed. Will Myers, we talked about him on the third base podcast. He's at 108 and D Gordon at 110. And we talked about him on the second base podcast. And that takes us to A.J. Pollock at 33. His ADP is there at 112. Another year of a partial season where he had an injury out of Pollock. He played 113 games after playing 112 the year before. So another year where he was dinged up. Put up good stats when he was healthy, though, with 21 home runs, 13 steals. Batting average went down, fell down to 257. But again, solid production in Arizona. And now he's going to a really good lineup in L.A. What are your thoughts of him in terms of the switch to L.A. and kind of his outlook for 2019 my biggest thing with Pollock is just how how many games is he gonna play he's generally productive when he's out there but yeah he's just he's always hurt I mean let's let's just be honest he's he missed 49 games last year and 50 the year before and played 12 games the year before that that's a reason to be concerned, you know. He's 31. I just feel like he's a guy that's not uh, not going to age well, as far as the injuries go. I mean, it, when you're when you're banged up like that in your late 20s, and then you get into your 30s, what is it all of a sudden going to get better? I don't see it. Um, as far as the move, I, I think it's a kind of neutral. The park isn't as good, but the team is better, and I think it's neutral. With with him, I just feel like it's all about games and plate appearances and just being out there. When he's out there, you know, he's a good combination of power and speed, and you got to like that. But it's a pretty big question with him. There, There's a lot of times when I don't really care about injury-prone labels because I feel like they get overblown a little bit. If I can get a guy at a discount – that people just think it's like he's hurt and, you know, whatever, then I'm going to take it. But this guy really does get hurt all the time. Like it's, uh, it's kind of just right on that line, I guess, as far as if you want to take him here after pick 100, I get it. He could go 2020. He's projected for 19 and 16, but I feel like he could also be out half the season and wouldn't even surprise me. I mean, the guys, like I said, he's, He's just always hurt. I like what you said there in terms of the, we haven't had that discussion before with the players being hurt and being injuries over being overblown. I was, 
a big fan of Troy Tulowitzki there in that 2010 to 2013 run. And I loved having him because you got him for the elite stats. If he ever was, would have stayed healthy for a full year, he could have been an MVP. And the thing is, if you only get two thirds of a season out of him, your stats don't stop after that two thirds of a season. You stick him on your DL and you got somebody else you can stick in there who isn't going to produce at a too low level. But when you take all those stats and combine them, you still had a heck of a player. Right, right. And I do think that that's a really good point because I do think that people, when they talk about somebody being hurt, they act like when they're hurt, you don't get anything. And yeah, you don't get anything from them, but you get something. It's it's almost like is a hundred games out of this guy, or I'm not saying Pollock, I'm just saying someone in general. A hundred games out of this guy plus sixty out of a replacement, you know, is that worth more than one sixty out of whoever you're talking about? You know, it's just you don't just not get those other games because you have somebody in there at every point. It's just a matter of how well you can manage those times when those guys aren't on the field. And that is the perfect transition into Eloy Jimenez. The next one at 34, his ADPs at 115. Eloy is as ever under everybody's assumption is going to be up sometime in April by May 1st. And you may miss a couple weeks out of the guy, but on that same note, Eloy is ready. In 2018 in AA, his strikeout rates were in the right around 15%. Walk rates are not really great, but 22 home runs in 108 games. And when I say not great, I should say in the 7% range. 22 home runs in 108 games. This guy's going to be a monster, and I think he's going to be a monster immediately when he comes up and blasting balls, that major league ball in that tiny ballpark in Chicago. I grabbed a, a share of him in my redraft auction league a couple weeks ago. I'm really excited to have him. And again, yeah, I may not have him for a couple weeks there, but I could plug in uh, even a Daniel Palka if I, I I picked him up. And if he's healthy to start the year, I'm just going to plug him in to give me a couple stats until he comes up. And then I'm pretty confident with Eloy that he's going to come up and rake immediately. Yeah, he's... Uh... He's a stud, man. He's uh, he tore it up last year. Guy's awesome. I mean, he should be up quick. I have no real issues with him here. It, it is kind of crazy that Vlad is going in round three, and Eloy is going in round eight. And I can totally get behind anybody that thinks Eloy is a better value. Even coming from a Vlad guy like me, I, I totally understand that. It, it's a good spot to take a shot on a guy like this because you could have a star, and if it doesn't, if it doesn't happen, it's one of those things. I, I don't think it would quite kill you, but you probably do want to have a little bit of uh, backup there in your outfield. You know, you're probably drafting him as your outfield two or maybe three, but. Like low end two, high end three. So you just want to make sure you're covered in case they play some type of game and don't call them up when you when you expect. Yep. I know that the 
the Jays and the Sox play on. I live near Chicago. For anybody that doesn't know, and I'm a Cubs fan. I've, I've mentioned before, but the uh, the Jays and the Sox play a four game series in like mid May, and I am praying that those two are up, Vlad and Eli. I I will literally be like front row, front or second row. I'm I'm paying for the tickets. I don't care. And I'm going to be right on the field. I, I just, they better be up. Like it's because I'm tempted to get the tickets now, but it's almost just like, eh, <laughs> you kind of want to wait. And then it's like, if you get the tickets now and you pay for them and they're not up, you're going to be pissed. Or if one of them's hurt. So I may wait, but gosh, that, that'll just be awesome. Cause it'd be, it, you know, a couple weeks after they're supposed to be called up. So it'll be early on, obviously in both, both their careers. And, they're pretty much the undisputed top two prospects in baseball. So, You'll have to let us know if you get tickets to that game because everybody, after hearing you talk about Vlad two episodes ago, everybody knows that if they'll want to tune into that game and watch you get escorted out by security after trying to chase down Vlad. <laughs> 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 All right, we do have a Facebook question on Eloy. Uh, Kevin Obarski asks, look into your crystal ball and tell us, when is Eloy called up? And give us his stats at the end of the year. What's the stat line look like? Uh, I'll say late April, April 25th, I'll put it at. And I think he hits about 285 with 25 to 30 homers, probably, somewhere in there. My numbers were April 10th. I think he's up right after it, and 280 with 30 home runs was my number. So we're pretty much right on the same line. And yeah, it's what's nice about him. It's not a bad lineup that's going to be sitting around him in Chicago with with Mancata hitting leadoff. He's a good guy at getting on base. Abreu's there in the lineup around him. It's it's not a terrible lineup. I'm not saying it's this great lineup, but I think he can get some counting stats in the runs and RBI department too. Yeah, he could. I mean, he's he's really good. It just with with guys like this, it's it's really just like how how quickly will it translate? I mean, it wouldn't shock me at all if he comes up and he's just a beast from day one. I mean, we'll we'll see. He's one I expect that out of. Really, the thing that sticks out to me more and more as I look at prospects and what to expect from them when they come up is that strikeout rate. That's sticking more out to me more and more to where the guys who I'm seeing with a 15, 17% strikeout rate, they come up to the bigs and they might go up from that, but it doesn't seem like it's out of control. The ones that worry me is when I see them coming up with a 25% rate. And this isn't apples to apples. It doesn't mean it's always that case, but more and more I'm noticing that the guys who have got a 15% K rate when they come up, they're awesome day one. All right, we'll go to number 35. And this one I think we'll also spend a little time on. Michael Brantley with the Houston Astros. I know we are both big fans of this guy, especially now that he landed in Houston. Brantley's going at 116 overall. This is one of my favorite guys to target because I love the value getting him at this spot. Now, Brantley had his share of injuries there a couple years ago. Last year was his first healthy season since 2015. 2016, 2017 were both just ravaged by injuries with that shoulder injury, but got 143 games in last year in Cleveland, 
had 17 home runs, 12 steals. But this guy is one of the safest batting average hitters in the game, in my opinion. Hit 309 last year. It seems like he's always up over 300. Hardly strikes out. Walks at a decent clip. And now he's moving into a completely loaded Houston lineup to where they needed a left-handed bat to be right there in the middle. And I think he's going to give them exactly what they're looking for and be a counting stat machine. Now, Andrew, I know you like him too. And I also know you have an amazing stat to share with everybody about Brantley. So let us hear it. Okay, so before I get to the stat, I just want to start by saying this is the best contact hitter in the league. His contact rate is off the charts. He's got the number one contact percentage in the league last year. Number one zone contact, which is, you know, contact on pitches thrown in the strike zone. And the number one lowest swinging strike percentage. So he doesn't swing and miss. And the stat is, and this is the best stat of everything I've heard this entire offseason. This is my favorite stat. Michael Brantley went 40 consecutive games last season without swinging and missing at a ball in the strike zone. He went a quarter of the season without swinging and missing at a strike. Yep. His zone contact for a 40-game stretch last year was 100%. He did not swing and miss at a ball in the strike zone for 40 consecutive games. It's just, I mean, that is just crazy. And I've always liked this guy. Like, he's had his injury issues in the past, and, like, that is the concern with him always. I mean, it really is because there's no denying the fact that he's, a ridiculous hitter. I mean, there just isn't. He doesn't have quite the OBP you would expect from a hitter like him, but it's not like it's bad. He's better in batting average leagues, but yeah, the Houston lineup, it could be really good for him. It's exciting. I really hope he can stay healthy this year because I feel like if he does, he's going to be great. Like there's almost no way he's not as long as he's out there. And that's been the biggest problem with him, but this is just a remarkable hitter. It's crazy to go on and just look at his contact batted ball stuff on fan graphs. If, if you haven't done it, I would recommend doing it. He is, he really is. It's insane. I mean, it's just that stat though. It, it's just the best thing. I, I couldn't believe it. Like made my head pop off the day. I, I think I was driving in the car and almost swerved off the road. It was, it's crazy. It's nuts. It's incredible. That's what that is. Yeah. We both love him. I know that, like, Justin's a big fan of him, and I am too. So if you have reservations yeah. about the injuries, I get it. But it's just a it's just a really, really, really good hitter, you know. And there's just a lot of floor there as long as, as, long as he stays healthy, obviously. So. And he's going to contribute in all five categories. There's not one category that's going to be a, a, a minus. He's right. capable of being 20, you know, 20 home runs. I guess you could say that's a superstar level by any means. But when you put 15 to 20 home runs, 10 to 15 steals, if he's healthy all season, he's going to be 90 plus runs and RBIs each, maybe 100 plus on both. I legitimately could see him, you know, Alex Bregman last year at 102 and 104. I could see Brantley doing that with a 
300 plus batting average. It's going to be he's, incredible. He's also one of those guys too. Like they have him slated on roster resource right now. They have him slated to hit fifth. He's one of those guys that I, he's good. He's a good enough hitter, even in the Houston lineup, I feel like to hit third. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not saying it will happen. You know, I, I probably would bet against it, but if he's rolling, I, I don't care what lineup it is. He could hit second, third, fourth, you know, just right in the, in the thick of it. And he's not going to hit lower than fifth. So, yeah. I think he's a perfect two-hitter. Yeah, just, just stay on the field, Michael Brantley, please. That's, that's it. <laughs> yes. Andrew and I have investments in you. We are definitely hoping you're healthy this year. All right. Number 36 through 40, I'm going to list them off. This is the part going forward with outfielders where I'm going to be listing them off in groups, and we're just going to talk about guys that interest us. And 36 is Aaron Hicks. He's got an ADP of 119. Then we go down to David Peralta at at 133. At 38 is Andrew McCutcheon at 138. NCRT with the Braves is at 139. And then Ian Desmond's at 141. We have already discussed him, but of those four right there, are do you like one of them over the others? Uh, yeah, I, I think I like McCutcheon the most. Hicks is really good in OBP. He had the fifth highest walk rate last year behind Trout, Harper, Votto, and Carlos Santana. So you're going to get a lot of OBP there. I still have a little bit of questions with him as far as health is concerned, but he's been better with that the last couple of years. He's good. You know, I I have no reservations really with him. Peralta, good hitter, always been high on him. I'm kind of out now that he had the really good season. I sold him in the dynasty this year, and I'm just I'm just kind of done now that he's had that good season. I don't think it's getting any better, so I'm pretty much off of him. And then Enciarte is good for speed, but I like McCutcheon where he's at because I think that there's good floor there, and it's a better hitter's park than he's been in really ever. Well, I guess besides the little stint at Yankee Stadium, but – yeah, just with, with Harper in the lineup now, too. And I, I could see him having a strong uh, strong bounce back. I got him in one redraft, and I'm pretty happy about it. I, I think he's going to be good, and he's really good in OBP, too. So McCutcheon is behind Brantley, or maybe right there with Brantley, is my favorite outfielders this year in terms of where they're going. I love McCutcheon going in this year, and this is coming off of about four or five years in a row where I've – not really been too keen on him with where he goes. I've thought, man, this guy's his name value is having him go higher than I think I feel comfortable with, but he's going all the way down here at, what did I say? He's going at 138. So in the 15 team league, it's a ninth round. And I've seen him go later than that in drafts in the ninth round. You're getting it last. Just if you got what he got did last year, that's 34 home runs plus stolen bases. And that's with him playing most of his season in a terrible ballpark with a terrible team. And now he's going to an absolutely loaded lineup in a very favorable ballpark. I love this value in terms of, I think I saw Brian Lambert from the Facebook group. He made a post about showing the 
biggest, the expectation for the steamer's biggest jump in home runs. And McCutcheon was on the list going from, you know, hitting 20 last year. And they have him projected to hit 26 this year. And I can see it. 26 and 11 is what they project project in terms of home runs and stolen bases. That is a star, especially when you add that in with a walk rate that's been over 10% the last few years. So, yeah, he's my guy. I do like Hicks also, like you were saying, saying in terms of he's awesome in OBP leagues. But even in batting average leagues, I think there's a little more there than what he's shown. Hit 248 last year. That was with a 260 on base percentage to where I just I think he could have a little more luck one of these years and hit for a higher average, get up to 260, 270. And yeah, the, the health is the question. And that's why. I like McCutcheon more than Hicks, but if Hicks could play a full season, I mean, he played 137 games last year and had 27 home runs and 11 steals. That's really nice out of a guy who, again, you're getting at a discount here. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much, there's so much track record with McCutcheon. Obviously I feel like the floor is just so high. And especially now that his situation is improving and in a weird way, too, this is kind of odd for a guy that's 32, but his steals have been creeping back up, too, from yeah. 6 in 2016 to 11 in 2017 to 14 last year. Not that that's going to keep going up or anything, but it's just kind of nice to see. I mean, you know he's going to have some pop, and he's a guy that's been around long enough that you trust his hit tool to not bottom out. You know, and he's nice here. Right? 38th outfielder off the board. I, I take that all day with Andrew McCutcheon. You know, McCutcheon hasn't scored 100 runs since that MVP season in 2012. He could do it. This could be a year where if he stays healthy and is hitting in the right part of that lineup, and I don't expect him not to, I think he could do it. And if he doesn't and he's hitting at a – if he's hitting more at the 4-5 hole, he could get 100 RBI for the first time in his career. It wouldn't shock me if he was like a top 20 outfielder. And, yeah. he's, you know, like going here at 38, I don't I don't really see what the uh, what the downside is. I just I don't really see it at all. And it goes back to what I said on the last podcast. I'm really loading up on outfielders about this point of the draft. And this is why we've mentioned so many outfielders right here at this spot in terms of Brantley McCutcheon. Eloy, Malik Smith, right here as we get to these late te- late single-digit rounds and into those low double digits, this is where I love stockpiling outfielders because I'm seeing value here that I really like to where I'm grabbing a lot of the pitchers early because I feel like these are the position, this is the spot where I like pouncing on outfielders. Yeah, no, I'm with you crazy thing here too i'm just looking at this andrew mccutcheon projected for 26 home runs and 11 steals you know who has those same exact numbers projection projection um 26 home runs 11 steals alex bregman alex bregman yep oh i got it (laughs) yeah and yeah 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 i mean that's, that's that's impressive it's impressive it really is. I mean, he he's a value here. I, I'm confident saying that. 
I'm just getting mad hearing all this because I was all over him. I got on the Prospect 361 mock draft podcast episode uh, a couple months ago, and I spewed about how much I love McCutcheon, and I didn't get him anywhere. So I'm, I love him. I love his value. I don't have a single share. If he explodes, I'm going to be like, I told you all, but I also don't <laughs> know him. <laughs> yeah, I, got, I think I have one, so I'm not too far ahead of you. Hey. One's better than zero. I'd be happy if I just had one. All right. Well, that ties a bow for what we're going to do today, then. Our goal is to do everything for the rest of the outfielders. And if we have time on the next episode, we might even try squeezing in the DHs, too, because that shouldn't take up too much time. And really, with the rest of the outfielders, we'll probably be talking about them like we did the last five here in groups. We'll probably be doing them in groups of 10 going forward until we get to the end and maybe in groups of 20 or 25 to where i don't think that episode should take too long yeah sounds good yeah we'll, we'll go I, I think we got what do we have listed here about 80 of them 75 yeah. 75 rostered in a standard 15 team five outfielder league so we'll name them yeah. off and probably won't go through each one of them but we'll at least name them all off and mention ones that interest interest us i mean and talk yeah. and after 75, talk about the guys who we like that maybe we would move into that fifth outfielder slaughter guys we're enjoying taking, we would like to take as a reserve round pick. Yep, that sounds good. Just so, every, just so everybody knows, too, I think I may have mentioned this on the last one, but we'll probably do this similar for the starting pitchers, too. Mm-hmm. We'll, get a, we'll get them out as soon as we can here because time's ticking. We got, like, two weeks exactly till the first game so yeah and i i want to have all the position previews at least done by then and that way to go in the week before the season we can do our prediction show and maybe even try to get talk about our dynasty startups that we have done get a couple of those episodes in that last week before we get started yeah that'll be good well in that case do you have any last things you want to say before we get out of here no, I, that's it. We've been doing this so much lately. I feel like I run out of things to say other than when we go through the players. So yeah, I'm good. I hear you there recording these every couple of days. Like we've been doing the last, last week or two. It does seem like we're just running out of content, but it's okay. We're still providing good baseball content and that's what hopefully people are tuning in to listen to. Yeah, we'll be, we'll do this next one here in a couple of days. So. Yep. All right, everybody. I appreciate you listening and take care. Yep. Take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us baseball365pod at gmail.com and if you like the show take a moment rate us on iTunes once again please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook that's where baseball lives 365 days a year